I don't know about you, but I was ready for another one. I'm glad I didn't change my message there. I thought I had one song to change it. So I guess we'll leave it the way it is. Obviously, the Lord's going to preach what I have prepared then. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Boy, that was a, that's a good song, isn't it? Wow, that's a powerful song. It's got a tremendous message. And I tell you what, we are um, we're in danger, aren't we, of losing real fundamentals in our music, it seems. We've got to maintain that. We've got to keep scriptural. We've got to stay biblical. We've got to keep it rooted and grounded in the truth. You know, a lot of what we hear coming out, the new stuff, is more, heart, is more felt needs. You know, the things are feelings. Now that, that touches our heartstrings. Don't misunderstand me. But, well, there's some real biblical truth there. I mean, He hath begun a good work in us. We'll perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. And what a wonderful thought that is. And kind of goes along with that. And I thought about Paul the Apostle. You know, there he is in Second Timothy talking about he fought a good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith. But I'll tell you what, the Lord was with him through it all, you know, meeting his needs. And uh, that's, some, that's good. That's wonderful. Well, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Again, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, um, we're talking about missions and missions is important, obviously. But, you know, we, if not careful, have a tendency to kind of decompartmentalize everything in our lives, you know, or compartmentalize, actually. I think that's what I meant to say. We put everything in little boxes. And so, you know, we have, um, you know, evangelists and we have missions and we've got, you know, uh, the church and we've got this and that and everything kind of gets put in boxes. But in reality, they really run together. Everything runs together. You know, if you fail to have the right perspective and the right outlook and a biblical perspective and outlook from in your local church, well, then your missions program is going to reflect that, you know, inconsistency. And so it's important that we, we do understand what the philosophy is of missions, where, where it's going, what it's all about. This morning we talked a little bit, not so much about philosophy, but, you know, we, we talked about magnifying the Lord. You know, that's so important. And then next week we're going to talk about mobilizing the church, you know how important that is. And so we've got some of those things going on. But now, tonight, I just want to kind of talk a little bit about the philosophy of missions, what it involves, what it involves. And I'm going to give you four simple things that it involves. Nothing, this is not complicated. It's things that probably you'd say, well, I kind of figured that. If I didn't know that, I, I could have figured it out if I thought long enough about it. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we try to get so complicated. But God's not about being complicated. God's about being simple. And many times in our lives, we complicate matters. We make our marriages so much more difficult than they have to be. You know, the bottom line is this. If, uh, you know, if, if you're struggling in your marriage, it's because your friendship's messed up. Marriage is about friendship. It's not about love. Love's something that comes along. You young people think you're going to get married just because you love somebody and it'll work out. You're a fool. Now, that, that feeling can wax and wane. You better be friends and you better be best friends. If you're friends, you'll stick together. There are friends that are still together after marriages have split up. Because friendship's stronger than even marriage. In and of itself, if it lacks friendship. I'm just saying, God doesn't make it real tough. He doesn't make it hard. You know, you wonder how arranged marriages work so well. It's because love's not really the key factor in marriage. I know everybody wants to say, oh, you love them. Yeah, I know, but if you have someone that's committed to a marriage or a relationship, whether there's love or not, it can last. 
mean, there are aspects and there are elements of marriage that are much more important than this feeling of love that we like to lean so much on. And God says, let's keep it simple here. Marriage doesn't have to be so complicated. You know, the emotional roller coasters. Let's knock the feelings out for a little bit and let's just look at it from a standpoint of God's perspective. And, and I think we can simplify it. Raising kids doesn't have to be complicated. And yet we make it so complicated. And let me just say this. Missions gets complicated sometimes. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's simple. And God puts it out there. He outlines it for us in Scripture. He makes it pretty clear what we need to do and what our responsibilities are. And so today I just want to look at the philosophy of it a little bit. Make it real simple as much as I can. As simple as I possibly can. Because I think in the end, that's all that really matters is that we understand it. And what we understand, we can apply. It's not that we don't really um, know enough to be successful in our Christian lives. It's, most of the time, it's just that we don't want to do what we need to do. And so with missions, I think sometimes it's the same way. And I think we're very blessed here. Again, our missions, if I could just be, as they would say in the last conference I was in, perfectly transparent. We've gone down two years in a row in our missions giving. For two years in a row, it's been less than it was the year before. Okay, so, you know, but, but can I tell you this? When I look at the missions giving, we're on target and even ahead. And I'm thankful for that. One year in our missions giving, a number of years ago, we came up $10,000 short than what was committed. And so, of course, I gave up $10,000 worth of salary to, fit, to meet that need. No, I didn't. But anyway, I just thought I'd say that. But the, the fact is, is that the, I, I just thought I'd share that. But anyway, uh, I didn't really do that. But what we did, we came $10,000 short of our mission's goal. Now, fortunately, at that time, I had put in a, a major cushion on a couple of things because I felt that coming. And somebody says, well, you didn't feel nothing. Yeah, well, whatever. We didn't sink. Put it that way. And every missionary got exactly what they were supposed to get. Can I tell you what happened the next year, though? I committed more than we had ever committed as far as percentage-wise. And it exceeded, it was a, a major commitment as far as that, numerically speaking. Uh, and, and, you know, percentage-wise. And you know what happened? Uh, you, God blessed it. You guys came through. You came through big time. Now, now, again, I'm not so interested in the number. And I know I should be. I probably ought to be extremely interested in the number that we're going to get on a Sunday, a week from, a week from Sunday. But here's what I'm, I'm more concerned about, is the simplicity of it. Will everyone just simply get involved? Will everyone take the time and, and put forth the energy and the effort to be involved in a part of? We have what's called faith promise, and we'll maybe talk a little bit more about that next Sunday morning, but... The fact is, is that we want everyone to be involved. And as was so adequately prayed about here just a moment ago at the offering, the tithe is the Lord's. We understand that. So it doesn't come out of our tithe portion. You know, missions giving is above and beyond. And I mean, that, you say that's sacrificial. Exactly. It costs something to reach the world with the gospel. It costs something. And that I'm not ashamed to ask for. Because that's God's heartbeat. So let's keep it simple as we move ahead today. We don't have a lot of time, and, and I'm not going to take a ton of time, I don't think. And we'll see how it goes. But I want to give you these four thoughts when we consider the philosophy of missions and what it involves. So let's have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll see how quick the message is tonight, okay?
How many of you watch the Indians? How many are watching the Indians play? Okay. Yeah, let's, I mean, come on now. I mean, I know it's spiritual time. But the Indians went in, you know, the World Series is real spiritual too, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's been what, 58 years? Let's just check in. I know some of you are nervous, you know. You're like, look at your watch. Hey, that game starts and I know. We'll get there. We'll get there, okay? We're going to get there. I want to put your mind at rest right now. We're going to be there on time. So don't worry about that, all right? I won't keep you that long. So now that I got that out of the way, I think our minds can be focused now. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you. Thank you again, Lord, for these thy people. God, today my heart goes out in gratitude to you. Father, just for permitting me to be the pastor of a church, this Community Baptist Temple, I can't even believe that... I can't even believe, Lord, tonight that there are people still sitting here tonight. Lord, it's, you are just so good. And Father, there are people that want to do right here. You don't come to church, Lord, on Sundays or Wednesdays and extra nights and do the things that people do at Community Baptist unless they genuinely want to honor you and please you. Help us, Lord, in this era of missions too, though, Lord. May our hearts be tender to you. May we just be open, like we are in so many other areas, may we be open in this area too. Father, have your will and way in our hearts, our lives, and may you just bless us tonight. Thank you for giving us the privilege of serving side by side with you and with one another. What a joy it is, Lord, to share in the grief and the hurt of loved ones in this church. And then, Lord, to rejoice with others as well. Father, we desperately need one another. And more than that, we need you. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so we see here in the passage, of course, we have a great commission. We know that. We've talked about that a number of times. So what about this uh, philosophy? What does it involve? Well, the philosophy of missions, it involves a couple of things. Number one, it involves a ministry. Take your Bible, look over the book of Acts chapter 13. And we're not going to stick on any one area real long. So let's move quickly tonight. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We're going to note something here early in the, in the book of Acts. We're going to see what's transpiring, what takes place. And it sets a precedence for us. It involves a ministry. And that's the first thing. Sometimes in missions... And maybe in other areas of, of church work, we're, we're losing sight of this particular perspective and this need. Notice what it says here in Acts chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers and Barnabas, and, as, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now, I want you to understand right off the bat, there's a church here. It's a church in Antioch. Without a church, there can be no other churches. It begins with a church, a ministry, if you will. Churches birth churches. Can you imagine if I said to you today, I'd like you to meet little Johnny. He has no mother. You'd be like, what? That doesn't make any sense. We know that people birth people. You've got to have a mom if you're going to have a baby. And I know today we've got all this cloning stuff they're talking about and probably already one of you is a clone. I don't even know it yet. I'm not a clone. 
Wouldn't that be scary to think there were more than one of me? But the fact is, is that whether mankind thinks that they can create life or not, they cannot create life. That's just not how it works. They may take something and grow it, but they can't create it. God created life. But what I do know is, is that if I'm going to see any, anybody in this room today, every one of you has a mother. Every one of you has been born of a person because you're a person. And then I say churches are birthed by churches. It is not right for a man or a woman to say, without the church, I'm going to go out and begin a ministry. Without the church, I'm going to go forth and do the work of God. That is unscriptural. That is not how God intended it to be. If we're going to do missions the way God intended it to be done, there must be a ministry, a church, if you will, and from that church, men are sent. Because, see, the church provides a couple of things. One, it provides authority. It is God that placed the church here on earth. This is the sending organization. This is the place where men and women, boys and girls, will find Jesus Christ. This is where the mouthpiece of God goes forth. I know we're all to be going out and telling people about the gospel, but we're all to be involved in part of a local church that has the authority of God behind it going forth to do the work of God. Authority. So a man that goes out and starts a church without another church putting their... Stamp of approval on his life, his family, and his ministry. My friend, he is a fake. My friend, he is not the real deal. He does not have the authority of God backing him or the authority of the local church. He is unscriptural and does not belong in the pastorate. There you go. It's an illegitimate church. Someone says, boy, I'll tell you what, that's some hard preaching. No, that's just the way the Bible sets it up. That's what God decided. One of you men, young men, decide that you're going to go out either and plant a church or something. Then let me tell you something. You don't just go do that. Well, I think it's time for me to plant a church. And the pastor and the leadership says, we don't think you're ready yet. Don't you just run out and do what you want to do. You just go ahead and trust God to make that work out. If we're the problem, he'll move us out of the way. It's amazing to me how we like to take matters into our own hands and make it more complicated than it has to be. You know, it's that old adage, you know, well, you know, the, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, what do you call that? The ordination committee says, well, if, son, if we don't ordain you, what are you going to do? And I don't understand ordination committees at all. I don't understand why they want this answer, but they want this answer. They want you to say, bless God, I'll have to go out and preach anyway. That's not even scriptural. I remember them asking me that. They said, young man, what are we going to do? If you, what do you do if, if we don't ordain you today? If we don't uh, give you... I said, well, I said, uh, I guess I'll just pray about it and see how, what God's going to do to take care of it. I said, because the truth is, if he wants me out there preaching, he'll just kill one of you. I'll go. You won't stand between me and what God wants from me. So I'm not going to worry about it. I'll just go ahead and wait till God's ready to either... Send me or move you out of the way. That's exactly how what I'm going to do. They're like, well, that ain't the answer we're looking for, brother. I mean, I guess it'll do, I suppose. It'll do. It's a biblical answer. Do you really think God's going to let somebody hold up a man of God if he's genuinely the man of God? You think he's not big enough to move people out of the way? See, we complicate things. I don't have to step outside the Word of God to do the work of God. I just simply need to obey the Lord. He's big enough to take people out of the way. And you know what? He's big enough to take people out of your life or out of your way, too. We just got to keep it simple. Do it God's way. Hey, listen, the church provides authority. The church provides accountability. How sad is it to watch churches going the wrong direction today? 
How, how sad is it to watch a missionary out on the field whose church is not plugged into them, their local church that they're out of, and not watching what's going on in their music and their standards and their Bibles going by the wayside? There's something wrong with that. The church is sending out men, and those men ought to be held accountable by the church, the local church. And if a man of God goes forth out of this ministry with a, a, a uh, ordination, and he fails to live up to his his commitment, he fails to follow through with what he said he believed, then that ordination gets rescinded and he no longer is outside this church with the authority of this church. Because this church has a responsibility to hold men accountable. It's not that we're trying to be big daddy. It's not that we're trying to tell people what to do. It's not that we feel that we have the right to go ahead and impose our will on everyone. But we have a responsibility to God. If we send somebody out, then they must be from us and of us and have the authority and then the accountability. And then, by the way, a church is to offer assistance. I, I Listen, I, I know what it is to go out and start a church and not have any support. I know what that is. I still remember going forth and starting at the ministry 23 years ago and going to a radio station and taking, you know, getting on the radio. And the gentleman says, now, he says, uh, how many folks are going with you to start this church? I said, let's see, me, my wife, and about there's five of us. You know, five of you. He goes, no, I mean, what kind of team's going with you? You got a song leader? You got? I said, no, no. I said, we're starting Community Baptist Temple with God's help. We're going to plant a church with God's help. Listen, I understand how that goes. And, and I think that if God's in your life, I think if God's, uh, His hand is on your shoulder, you, you're going to make it no matter what. But let me tell you something. One of these men leaves Community Baptist Temple to begin a work for the Lord. Oh, listen, we understand the church is already here. But if he's going to expand the church by, by planting another ministry... I'd like to think that if we got some able-bodied members that are excited about church planning, they just might step out and say, Pastor, I'm a tither. Pastor, I'm a worker. Pastor, I'd like to help them. I'm not going to be a burden to them. I'll be a blessing to them. I'd like to go with them and give them a hand on that ministry. Now, if there was like 75% of the church that wanted to do that, then we got a problem. But, but if we got a couple of families that say, I'm willing to, to do that, I don't care if they, they start a church out of state even, and if they says, listen, we're willing to move. We're willing to go over there and replant and plant our family over in that state and, and settle in with that family. We don't want to be necessarily staff members. We just want to go to be a blessing to that church and help them get that thing off the ground and be a, min, a minister to the people in that area and bless that pastor and meet their needs and come alongside him. Man, I'll tell you what, I get excited about that. I'm okay with that. I'm all right with giving up some folks to see a ministry have some support right off the bat and to be encouraged from shoulder to shoulder. I'm okay with that. Financially, physically, whatever we can do to be a help. But let me tell you this. On the other hand, I don't believe that it's always right to do everything for them. They've got to be willing to do some things on their own. And, and that, that gets to be a real fine line today. You know, people going out starting churches today want to make more than Pastor O'Donnell makes. Just to start a church. I'm going to tell you something. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. Well, they don't need the burden of working a job and trying to do the ministry and take care of a family. I thought your family was in the ministry with you. I thought you were serving together. So you should be busy together then, right? 
I, I don't get some of this, the mentality today. I, not, I don't quite understand it all. Um, I think I do understand it. I just don't like to understand it. But anyway, we see here that the, it involves a ministry. Hey, listen, you know what? Uh, we're going to start some church planning uh, here again. We're going to see God do some things. We've got some things coming up. We'll explain a little bit more about what's going on in our missions conference. We'll tell you some things we got that, that are gonna, starting to get rolling finally. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I am convinced that it takes a church. It's going to take you. You've got to be on board with that. We want to start planting churches all over the place. I do. I, I just want to see it. I, I, I want to grow this way. I want to grow this way. Numeric. I do. I want to grow this way. But I want to grow this way too. You understand? I want to grow out and up. Not just up. And I believe that's a biblical perspective. So involves a ministry. Involves Community Baptist Temple. Number two, it involves a man. It involves a man. Mission, listen, whether you, whether you, you know this or not, I'm just going to tell you this. God blesses men, not ministries. Okay, that, that is something that as we've watched through history, we have watched that God blesses men, not ministries. Now again, that, that may sound a little self-serving coming from me, the pastor. But what I'm telling you is, is that you watch a ministry, God will bless that man, and then in turn bless his ministry. Now, again, there's something to that, and we see that. So, you want to talk about missions? Then it depends. It's important who the man is then. Not everybody that says, I'm going to be a missionary, in my opinion, merits our financial support. And sometimes it's not that I just say, I don't want you going. I don't think you're even going to make it. I think you're a bum. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but there are aspects of, of, a, of a relationship with the family, and there's aspects of, of their, 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 their practices and different things. I like to get to know missionary a little bit and try to feel them out a little bit and understand what their heartbeat is. Why? Because ultimately God blesses the man, not his ministry. And the ministry is blessed because of the man. So it, it's important. So the man's important. Second Timothy chapter 2. Turn there if you would, please. Notice what it says here in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. And we're going to note an important phrase here in the passage. It's a really important phrase. And this, this phrase is not defined by your perspective. It's not even really defined by mine. It's defined from God's perspective. Watch this now. Thou therefore, my son, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, be strong um, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul the Apostle speaking to Timothy now. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to... What's the next two words? Commit to who? Who shall be able to teach others also. Now watch this. God's looking for what kind of man then? A faithful man. Now hold on. We can pull the crowd... Are you faithful? Yes, sir. Are you, are you faithful? Yes, sir. In reality, your opinion is not what's most important. You've got to be faithful according to God's perspective. Now, you, you know what I want to encourage you to do? If you're one of these guys that wants to go out in the ministry, you think somehow God's going to use you 
to pastor a church maybe down the road or be an evangelist or a missionary, then I want to encourage you to do a couple things. Number one, I want you to study the men of God in the Bible and their standard of holiness, their standard of service, their standard of sacrifice. Then I want you to read biographies of those that were missionaries and preachers in the 1800s and the early 1900s, before 1950. I want you to read the sacrifices they made. I want you to understand the kind of lives they lived. The perspective, the mindset that they had. I want you to gauge faithfulness based on God's servants through the ages, not God's servants today. That's what I want you to do. And then tell me what's right or wrong in the sense of, well, I could never submit myself, my family, or myself to this situation. Look at what they endured. Consider those in the early church that stood in the Colosseum. Consider those who were persecuted and endured tremendous suffering for the sake of Christ. Ask yourself, am I faithful now? See, we're looking for a man who is faithful here. Not just that comes to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but a faithful man of God. There's a big difference. And again, I'm not saying you're not faithful if you just come. That's not, don't misunderstand me. You're faithful to church. But we're not talking about the level of just being a church member. We're talking about going forth into a foreign field and having to live potentially on you and just you, your wife, and your children without any real support in the sense of, uh, of anyone there to support you and encourage you. You're, you're on your own out there, just you and God. You're going to be like David. You're going to have to encourage yourself in the Lord, man. So, that's what we're talking about some men that are faithful here. Now, I just want to encourage you. Think about that. We, so, we need men that possess godly character. This missions thing is not going to work unless you've got men with godly character. Not just worldly character, godly character. There's a difference. A man can provide for his family but not have a shred of godliness in his bones. You say, that doesn't make sense. But a man of God has to provide for his family. I know, but you're equating providing as being godly. That is not godly. That's just being a man. And by the way, if you aren't willing to do that, then quit wearing the title. Just go ahead and put your little dress on and use the female bathroom. I'm sorry, but I'm a little fed up. I'm a little fed up with the direction we're going. I'm going to tell you something. We are contributing in Christianity to this mess. Guy, girl, and now we've got whatever it is. We're contributing to some of that. Within the context of our churches, we're losing our identity. We are feeding this. We're, we're, we're not just, it's not necessary that we're aiding it in a sense, but we're not standing against it. I'm going to tell you, men, you need to be men. And, and you don't you don't necessarily godly, but you ought to be at least men. Now, you ought to be godly, too, but I mean, we all ought to be. So what is a what's the godly character here? I figured after this morning's message, I can't wreck it and ruin it anymore already. So I figured I'd just go ahead and tear into it today and we'll see what happens. Right. See if any of you are left. Now, if I was like Jack Howard, something, let's see if you got the guts to come back. Let's see if you can even handle it. Well, that's not what I'm all about. But anyway, disciplined. We need a man. He's got godly character. He's disciplined. You know what discipline means? He's dependable. 
He can be counted on. That's good. Man, when people are predictable, that's good. You say, I like, I, I like spontaneity. I want predictability. I don't want to keep guessing what my wife's going to do in every situation. I want to know how she's going to respond. Every once in a while, she throws a, you know, a, a, one of those boomerangs at me or something. It goes out and comes back and hits me. That's okay. But, but honestly, I want to know how she's going to respond. And you know what? Every wife ought to know how a husband's going to respond to a situation. The children ought to know how you as parents are going to respond. They ought to know already, man, if I t- tell them what I just did, I'm going to. You know, they ought to know what's coming. Again, we're making it too complicated, folks. It's simple. But anyway, discipline, dependability. Number two, and under that, God, possessing godly character. Are you grounded in your beliefs? You've got to be grounded in your beliefs. Godly character is saying, I've got chapter and verse to back up my position. That, that's what we're saying. I've got chapter and verse. I, I, I don't do this. Why not? Because the Bible says this. Right here it is. I do this. Oh, why do you do it? Because it does this. Right here it says it. Chapter and verse. I listen to this. I go here. I do this. Why? Because the Bible says chapter and verse. There it is. See, men uh, that we're going to send out on the mission field better be, be grounded in their beliefs. They have to be grounded in their beliefs. That takes time and, and often takes a lot of effort, a lot of work. Also, the question we'd have to ask of these men, are you convinced of your convictions? Are you convinced of them? I mean, are you settled on your convictions? Can I tell you something that really bothers me? Is a dishonest preacher. You say, me too. Here, let me explain what I mean, though. I'm talking about that that slick willy that comes in through the door and says, oh, I'm a King James believer. I believe in standards. I believe in the right kind of music, praise God. And then five years into his ministry, he says, let's... uh, you ever think about that new Bible they just published? Let's just throw a few verses here and there in the preaching. And you know, as far as the standards, I think we can back off a little bit. They're not really that important anymore. They just separate us from people, not unto God. And, and that music thing, I think we're just a little bit too wild on too, a little bit too you know, crazy about it. Let's loosen up on that. And before you know it, he's leading the church to new evangelicalism. I tell you what, that's called, that's called a, a deceiver to me. I don't like that. I want a man of God, if we're going to send to the mission field, ten years from now, because, he can, he, because he's in the mission field and he don't have a preacher standing over him every week, he's not going to find, we're not going to find out five or ten years from now that, man, that dude ain't doing anything like we've done. He changed his whole position. He got a little rock and roll church over there. We didn't even know it. Now, I don't ever want to have to worry about that. We need to send out men. We need men with some godly character. Men that are going to be grounded in their beliefs. Men that are going to be convinced of their convictions. And then, men that are capable of counseling from the Bible. I don't know where we've come. And again, you don't have to agree with me. I'm just going to throw it out there. I still, for the life of me, don't understand how a man can pastor and not counsel women. I, I don't get it. I thought he pastored them too. He don't need to meet with them week in and week out. That's not what I'm talking about. But if a man of God cannot help one of the ladies in the church with an issue in her life, what are we talking about? How, what, what is that? 
Well, he's got to worry about his chastity. He's got to worry about his purity. If he can't deal with that in a very wise way, then he doesn't belong in the pastorate anyway. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't get that. But I'm, I'll say this. He better know how to counsel some people. He better have some biblical scripture to be able to go forward. And if a pastor says, I don't counsel women, man, he is just cut off. I tell you what, if, if I didn't counsel ladies, praise God, I wouldn't have nothing to do hard. Let's be honest. No man in the world wants to counsel. Can I tell you, ladies? You know why, right, ladies? Because you got too much pride. Men don't want to counsel. they got too much pride. So they send their wives, you know. You go if you want to. I ain't going. And then I say, I really can't help you if your husband's not here. That's what I end up having to say. I mean, I want to do the best I can to encourage you to keep on going. But honestly, you know, it's futile for us to meet. It serves no purpose. Uh, he's part of the problem. You're part of the problem. We need to get together on this. And sometimes you just, somebody's just got a broken heart and you just need to share with them and encourage them from the Word of God. Man or woman. But you better be capable of counseling from the Bible. You better be able to do that. And again, I mean, every preacher is a little different. So, I mean, I guess that's all right. I still don't get how you can do that, though. I, I, I don't understand it, at least. I, I don't know. Now, again, that's me, okay? That's just me. Are you concerned enough about souls to reach out consistently with the gospel? Are you confident in Christ? These are things of godly character. These are the things that we're looking for in these men. And then, are these men leaders? You've got to have a man. He's got to be a leader. Is he compassionate? Is he conscientious? Is he considerate? Is he confident? Not confident in himself, confident in the Lord that he, that he serves. And then in 1 Timothy 3, 4 through 5, the Bible says, One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Practical, simple, right? He has to set the example. He has to set the example in the home. He does. Not his wife. He does. That means he has to have a testimony. He has to steer the ship. He steers it. It doesn't mean his wife doesn't come alongside and give him a hand and the two of them work together. Think. That's not what I'm talking about. But he, he is the one who has to have a target in his mind of where things, the direction they're going and where the destination is. The man of God needs to set that. If he's going to pastor a church or if he's going to go onto the mission field, he better be able to find that target and direct that congregation to that mark. If he needs his wife to do that in the home, he'll require someone else to do it in his church. And that's a problem. Because God never intended that someone else set the course for the church other than the pastor, the man of God he placed there. He needs people to give him a hand. He's got to have folks that come alongside. They've got to work side by side, shoulder by shoulder. But someone needs to be responsible for that, and, and it's the man of God. So setting the example, or having a testimony, steering the ship, or having a target, or he has to be one that is sought out for advice. Now, listen, gentlemen in your homes, you still need to be viewed by your children as someone that has wisdom. You need to work at this. You need to put yourself in a position to be able to advise or counsel your family. You need to be in that position. It's important. And especially if a man of God is going to go out and start a church or, as we said, go into the ministry or onto the mission field, he better be one that his family at least says, you know what, he's got something 
that we need. We're going to ask him what his advice is. We're going to ask him what his opinion is because we trust dad. Because if your own family doesn't trust you with advice, I promise you the church won't. Now again, that's the practical side of this ruling our home, okay? So we're talking about the philosophy. It, 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 it involves a church. It involves a ministry. It involves a man. Not only that, it involves a method. Turn over to Acts chapter 17. Would you please? Chapter 1. It involves a method. Now, there are a number of things that we're doing in missions, and, uh, you know, different missionaries do different things. I, I was just, uh, I've been praying about this, thinking about this some, but, and again, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that there's always, you know, 100% wrongs and rights and all of that, you know, in this area. I think there's latitude, and there's some space here where we can do things somewhat differently. We can all get along and accomplish goals and so forth. But I'll tell you what, when we look at missions, we do have to be careful because the early church sets a precedence for us. And I got thinking today, you know, sometimes I think, well, what would, what would be wrong if we do things this way, God? And, and the Lord kind of said, is that in my Bible? Is that in my word? Yeah, no, but Lord, does it really matter? Because it's not like we're going against your word. It's not like we're preaching the wrong gospel or anything. I mean, can we do it this way? And here's all I thought, you know, and again, I'm not saying that we can or can't. I'm just saying... Maybe the Lord knows more than I know about some things, okay? And he understands human nature better than I do. And maybe he's trying to protect us. And he says, now, here's the examples I've given you. Learn from those. And if we start deviating from some of these things and handling it in a different way, could it be that God knows that we won't be able to handle it in the long run? I'm not saying that on the immediate we won't see tremendous success, but in the long run, maybe it becomes a problem. I don't know, but watch this. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. You're saying, what in the world is he talking about? I don't know, I'm just talking. So look at Acts 17, 1 through 5. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, Apollonia. Hey, I worked on these too, but let me tell you, I did. And I'm still, I'm still making bad mistakes. They came to Thessalonica, where it was the synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed and, contorted, and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the, the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sword, and gathered a company, and set all the city on an uproar, and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. Again, he's fled from Philippi. He ends up in Thessalonica. Interestingly enough, we're going to see a couple of things here. One, right off the bat, we notice that he was there for three Sabbaths. And he's in the synagogue. And again, we've talked about this in, in, on Wednesday nights, I think it was, a little bit. But the fact is, is that Paul was able to, to go into the synagogues and he was given the opportunity to speak uh, and, and, and by, these, by the priests. And, and, and he was able to give his perspective. I, I don't get why they continue to let Paul come into these synagogues. You'd have thought they'd have wired ahead, so to speak, and said, don't let this one come in and say a word. I mean, I just, I just can't understand it, but they did. And as his custom was, I mean, he did this everywhere he went. He went and he approached the Jew first. He tried to reach the Jew first. And then, of course, we saw that Gentiles really were the ones who would respond to him more than any. But Notice again, he goes on in verse 10, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who come thither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. <laughs> there he goes again. But anyway, he, he sent out of the city three Sabbaths. 
as few as two weeks, as many as four weeks there. And you know what happened? A church was planted, and ultimately, it reproduced. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Now, again, I understand he left some folks behind eventually, sent some folks there. I get that. But Paul went into a city, and he shared the truth. Now, here's, 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 I've got a little pattern here. Let me just let me share the pattern here. Based on what we see even in the Apostle Paul's life in the early church. One, the pattern is to birth it. You've got to birth a church, right? You birth it by simply, here we are. We have the authority, the backing of our local church. It's on. I mean, how many people do you need to have a church? Based on what we understand, wherever two or more are gathered, right? So, I mean, churches don't have to be too big. You say, well, do you have to be incorporated? No, you don't have to. Do you have to have your 501c3? No, you don't have to. You're already, by nature, a 501c3, so you don't have to worry about that. You know, so we got all that figured out, but, but we birth it. And, and, and basically, you do that by reaching people, right? You, you reach people. And then you begin to build it. You know how you build a church? Preaching. You preach it. And then if you want it to continue to grow, you've got to equip the people. You do that by teaching. So you've got this aspect of reaching and preaching and teaching. And you know what then happens? Biblically, from the New Testament, you exit, you leave. You go do it again. That's what we see in the New Testament. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? It doesn't sound that complicated, does it? You go into a city, you, you birth it, you build it, you equip it, and then you exit. You get, you get out of there. You, it expands, it grows, and you just, okay, guys, you're on your own. Get it done. Wow. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul would go back through and write letters to him and continue to encourage them. And he would even send maybe those like Timothy or Titus and others to go back in and try to make sure that they weren't being led astray by wolves. But he began churches. This is the process we see. And for years and years, this is how missions worked. Missions has taken a turn since. It's not quite the same pattern. And, you know, there's a part of me that says, wow, I think what's going on is wonderful. But I'm also a little bit, you ever been there where you think, wait a second, maybe there's a reason why the Lord did it this way in the Bible. You ever think that? I, don't, I do sometimes. But anyway, I, I just, I'm a little concerned. I, here's what I, I think one of the biggest problems with missions is today. And, here's, and I'm not saying it's all wrong. The concern I have is this. If I go out and start a church, and, and listen, this has been a very effective lately. It's very effective. I go out and I start a church. And I've even, in the past, to be frank with you, I encouraged this on a couple of missionaries. And so, but but I, lately I've been wondering. We go out, we start a church. We put our roots there, and we stay there forever. We put a Bible college in place, and we start sending people out from the Bible college. Now listen, that's been extremely successful. The only question I have is this. Can missionaries handle it for the long haul? You say, what do you mean? You're getting $8,000 a month. Some missionaries are getting up to eight to $10,000 a month to go on the mission field. And they're going to stay in one spot for a lifetime. 
I'm just saying it could get really tempting to get lazy. Especially once you get somebody that's doing the ministry for you. You got somebody running your Bible college now. You got somebody, a national, doing all the preaching. And you stay in that local place. And you're watching it grow all around you. I'm just saying, maybe God knows something that I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying I'm not so sure that maybe God doesn't know more than I know about this. And I'm starting to wonder if some of these young men don't ever need to get that comfortable. They always need to be on the front lines. That's all I'm starting to wonder. I'm starting to see the Laodicean church sneak into our missions programs. And it's sneaking into our churches. We're getting comfortable. We're relaxing. We have need of nothing. That's a bad place to be if we're to be living by faith. That's all. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying it's all wrong. Don't listen. Don't run out here and go, Pastor Donald says, if you're doing it this way, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. Hey, we support missionaries that are doing that right now because I believe in that missionary. I believe in that missionary. I'm just saying, 10 years, 20 years down the road, if that's the direction all missions goes, could it ultimately be come back to bite us? I don't know. What I do know is in the Bible, you don't see these guys staying in one spot until the church is established and then a pastor takes over. The, the, the planters are moving. And um, I came to plant a church at Community Baptist Temple, and I planned on pastoring it based on what I felt. I wasn't coming to start a church and leave. I had no intention of leaving at all whatsoever. But I promise you, in the States, it's a little bit different than it is overseas. There's a big difference, okay? And uh, furthermore, I planted a church without a, without a salary as well. I, I know what it is to work full-time and do this full-time. I know what that is. So, you know, it's a little bit different. Now, Lastly, after I've just, it, you know, I'm talking to you like I talk to my staff right now, to be honest with you. I tell them all kind of crazy stuff. And then they go, okay. Okay, preacher, cool. I think you can handle this. You know, you know what's going on. I mean, like they say, you guys wear your big boy pants, you know, in, in your big girl dresses. I mean, you guys do that. <laughs> And, and like a pastor that we heard recently say, suck it up, buttercup. So anyway, you know. <laughs> Lastly, and i got to close this up. It involves the master. It, it always involves the master, doesn't it? So it involves the ministry. It involves a man. It involves a method. And then finally, the master. In John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Isn't that really the reality of life? Are we so ignorant to think that we can raise a family without Him? Are we so ignorant to think we can have a strong marriage without the Lord? No, we're not that ignorant. We would never believe that, not based on what we know from the Bible. How in the world could we ever think that the church or missions or the Word of God could go forth around the world without Him? No matter how good our machinery is, no matter how good our methods are, no matter how wonderful Internet is and videos, and all the stuff we have access to today. When it's all said and done, it's still a manifestation of His Spirit that we need. And the Bible simply says this in Acts 1. It starts right off the bat. He says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Why not? Why can't we depart? Why can't we get started with the work? But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. Don't you guys go anywhere. Don't you do anything till He shows up. 
Why? Because he's absolutely necessary in this work. The master, without him, none of it works. It all comes to a grinding halt. He's essential. I wonder today, how many ladies went on the ladies' advance? Miss O'Donnell talked about some of this, didn't she? The Spirit of God and all that stuff. Well, I'll tell you what. Grab hold of that stuff. Don't let it go. Don't soon forget some of the things you've probably heard along the way. I mean, she was cornered me one night and preached to me for four hours. <laughs> no, she didn't. No, she didn't really. But, but, I mean, honestly, this is good stuff. The Holy Spirit's important in your life. And you want to be able to be the kind of wife you need to be and to endure and that husband that you've been placed with. <laughs> You're going to need the Spirit of God. And fellas, let's be honest. We need Him too. Man, we're just human beings in this world. We need the Spirit of God in our life. We can't do it without Him. Acts 1.8, and we close. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It's after the Holy Ghost has come upon us. We talk about philosophy of missions. You know, it's going to require a ministry. There has to be a church in place for missions to work. And there has to be a man, a man with godly character. Not just a good man, a godly man. And then there must be a method. And it is a biblical method. You've got to go forward with a method. You've got to know the direction you're going and how you're going to get it done. And it needs to be supported in the Scriptures. And again, like I said, there may be a little bit of debate here or there, but you better have a plan that you know God's put on your heart. And you can say, man, right here I can see where God's going to bless it. And then finally, you, need the, you definitely need the Master. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. You need the Spirit of God in your life. And that's true in every area of life, Okay. These principles do not just simply apply to missions, do they? Remember how simple I said it was at the beginning? You could take those four qualities right there and you could apply them to every one of our lives. We all need a ministry. Every one of us needs a ministry. You need this church more than you'll ever know. And one day in eternity, we're all going to thank God for the church more than we ever did. But then let's face it, every man in here needs to be the man of God he's supposed to be so that he can set the target out front, so that he can say, here's the direction we're going and here's the destination, family. And by the way, ladies, whether you understand this or not, you need that man, a godly man. And fellas, let's not be that man that our wife's saying, I wish you were that man. Let's take our place. And ladies, don't put your expectations so high that you, you totally crush him. Because he's not everything you think he ought to be. Let him become the man of God. But by the same token, gentlemen, do not settle or be content with the man of God you are when you could be more of a man of God. And of course, we look right along the line and we, we see that list again. And I'm going to look at it real quick just to nail it down. But I, a method. You guys need methods, methods. Whether it's raising your kids, God lays it out for you. Whether it's a lifestyle, God lays it out for you. Make sure you're doing it His way, and you need the Master. We all do. So missions, the philosophy. There it is, four things that are desperately needed, things that we have to do. Um, Father, we thank You. 
We ask, Lord, for your leadership today and your love. And again, 